All right, so in Joshua chapter 3, uh, I want to take a moment this uh, week to talk about living stones, looking back, and looking forward. So as we think about looking back to 2023, and then looking forward to 2024, today is December 31st, it is the last day of 2023. There was an ancient Greek philosopher who lived many years ago, his name was Heraclitus, and Heraclitus said this, I think it's a great axiom, it's a great uh, truth, that he said there's nothing permanent in the world except change. I think that's a lot of wisdom there from an ancient Greek philosopher. There's nothing permanent uh, in life except change. I know that's a dichotomy. I know that's a, a, a maxim that has two extremes there. But change is a part of life. Um, we can do two things when change comes. We can reject it, resist change. I think that's a naive way of living. Or we could fully, radically embrace the truth, the acceptance, that change is a part of life. I think there's wisdom in that. Transitions usually mark major points of our life. There's all kinds of different transitions. There are educational transitions where you move from high school to college or from elementary school to high school. There's educational transitions. Some of you went through those this year. There are relational transitions as well. Uh, moving from a couple who is engaged to being married or a couple who is courting to being engaged. My family just experienced one of those transitions recently. There are vocational or work transitions as well. Uh, starting a new job, beginning a new career. There's a promotion, a new position. There are those transitions. Then there are personal transitions, moving to a new place, aging, empty nesting. Anybody experience empty next thing this year? All right, I'm sure you're rejoicing inside in a way. Um, uh, just aging, right? Midlife, reaching the midlife or reaching an adult age. There's all kinds of personal transitions. And those transitions bring an often a mixed bag of emotions. They could be confusing. Transitions could be sometimes overwhelming. They could be scary. Sometimes there's excitement when transitions come. Other people see them full of potential. And one thing is for sure, no matter how much your life changes, no matter how your life is, is moving or shifting, uh, one thing is true. Our God is constant whether you are in transition or not. Amen? Amen. James 1.17 says this, Whatever is true and perfect, it's a gift coming down to us from the Father, from God our Father, our, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or cast a shifting shadow. God is constant. And in seasons of transition, we could rest and we could hope that the God who is solid, the God who is stable, the God who is steady, could be relied on for, to meet and help us get whatever we need, right? Our settings, our situations, our circumstances could change, but God is steady, God is solid, and God is stable. I think it's appropriate that today on December 31st, we end this year before we launch into a new year uh, in this moment of transition, right? How many of you know where January gets his name? Did anybody know where January gets his name? There's a Roman god who's called Janus, right? I have a picture of Janus here. Uh, Janus was a Roman god, and you can see Janus had two faces. He was the keeper of the doors, keeper of the gates. Uh, he is sometimes shown in another picture here with a key in his hand. And Janus has two faces because one face is looking back and one face is looking forward. 
And at the beginning of the year, it marks that place where we should take time. I think there's some wisdom here in the ancients to look back and also look forward. Uh, look back at what the Lord taught us in 2023 and what changes we need to make for 2024. Um, I love what John Maxwell says, change is inevitable, but growth is optional. Change is a part of life. Now, how do you react to it? How do you institute it? How do you gain wisdom from change? Uh, change will cause you to move in certain directions, change your routines, but the growth that comes from change is optional, is optional. So I think it's wise for us today to look to God's word and say, what does God's wisdom tell us for moments of transition? Here's why I think you should listen today. Here's why you should listen today. Uh, many of us are excited to begin 2024. For some of you, 2023 couldn't finish fast enough. You're ready to move on. You're ready to put that one in the books, close the chapter, and, and, and call it done. For some others of you, you want to hold on to the very last seconds of 2023. Maybe 2023 was a great year for you. But no matter where you're at in that uh, situation, no matter where you're at in that equation, all of us are crossing over in a matter of hours here. All of us are going into 2024. And I believe that there are lessons that you can learn from 2023, from the before the new year, that you could carry into your 2024. The before matters because it causes us to remember. It causes us to remember. I think all of us should listen and pay attention today because I think God was trying to show you some things in 2023 that he wants to use to impact your 2024. With God, the process is important. How many know that there's battles before victory, right? Those battles matter. How many know that there's struggles before any celebration? Those struggles matter to God. How many know that you have to take steps before you arrive someplace? Those steps are important to God. How many know before you experience perfection, you have to endure moments of patience, right? The process matters to God. In Joshua chapter 3, the nation of Israel is going through this transition. They've been wandering for 40 years in the desert. Moses is gone. They have a new leader. His name is Joshua. The people that originally left bondage in Egypt, most of them are past. Basically, all of them are past. This is now the second generation of people, and still they find themselves wandering, hoping for the promised land. During transition, they have a new leader. There's new obstacles to overcome, but yet God has them at the point of crossing over. There is just one obstacle in their way left to get to the promised land, a river, a pretty big river at that. They're about to experience the breakthrough. And I believe from the scriptures here, we can pull five important lessons for us to look at to say, these are lessons about crossing over, crossing over into a new season. So we made a handout available to you. Does everyone have one? If you need a handout, um, our usher team could get one here to you. You can just put your hand up. Um, you have the five lessons there uh, named, but I want to get to them into a little bit deeper. And then I believe this is a great moment for spiritual assessment as we wrap up 2023 and we launch into 2024. 
Um, and there's some questions there that I would love for you to kind of uh, ask God for, seek inside for, and say, God, what are you trying to show me about what happened last year, looking back, and now looking forward into 2024? So you can follow with those notes. And you don't need to fill those out here. That's for you. But I, I want you to close this year well saying, God, this is what you did in 2023, and this is what I'm trusting you for in 2024. So beginning in Joshua chapter 3, I'm going to begin re reading in verse 1. If you don't have your scriptures here, they'll be on the screen. So this is the nation of Israel. They've received the green light from God to go ahead to cross this river and into the promised land. They are crossing over into a new season. What can God show us about crossing over into a new season? Or in our case, a new year. It says, early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia, the Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. It blows my mind whenever I read the scripture that God would have a people who just wandered for 40 years and have only made it 10 miles. I, I want you to think about that, right? The people for 40 years have made 10 miles worth of progress. Now, they had a lot of issues. That's probably why they only got 10 miles away. But for 40 years, they were wandering. They've only gotten 10 miles into their destination. And as God gives them the green light to cross the River Jordan, he tells them to do what? To wait. That blows my mind. They had waited 40 years. And after receiving the green light, what does God tell them to do again? Wait. Wait. Here's the first thing that I think we could pull away for wisdom for crossing over into a new season. Don't despise the waiting room. Don't despise the waiting room of God. Obstacles, delays will often be the part of a journey ahead with God. Whenever you journey with God, it doesn't work out the way you always plan or the way you envision. You're going to encounter obstacles. Things are going to come up. Delays are going to happen when you journey with God. And I know that rubs us the long way because we are a people who don't like to wait. Anybody struggle with patience here? I'll be the first to admit that, right? We are a horn honking, microwave cooking, UPS mailing, express lane shopping, on-demand streaming people. We love it that way, don't we? I was just talking to one of my kids the other day. Remember Netflix? You had to order movies from Netflix and they would mail them to your house. Now you want to watch something on Netflix, it's like two clicks of a remote, and it's there for you. We've gotten used to that kind of culture. When we call on the name of God, us, we want things to happen when? Now. God, give it to me what? Now. Listen, I've spoken with so many people, they say, I just want God to get me out of this. God, take me out of this situation. God, take me out of this calamity. God, take me out of this brokenness. God, take me out of this addiction, right? And God has the, listen, God has the power to do things miraculously quicker than we can blink an eye at. But oftentimes, God doesn't want to just take you out of things. God wants to take you through things, through it. Because it's the process of going through it where God grows you. Listen, if you are in a waiting room, and if 2023, there's still some things you're waiting on, there's still some things you were praying for, things you were hoping that God would do in 2023, and they haven't happened yet. Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit. Don't stop believing that God would move. Don't despise the waiting room. 
Because God uses the waiting room. Doesn't waiting have the ability to bring out the worst of us? I mean, go to a busy restaurant on a Friday evening. And when the hostess or host tells you it'll be 30 minutes before your call. I know many people who like set their clocks. And you're saying, all right, you got 30 minutes, buddy. And if you're not calling me within 30 minutes, I'm going to make a scene up in here. And then what do we start doing? We start gauging, right? Okay, this person came before me. I want to see if they're called before me. Okay, those people arrived after us, right? And they get called before we do. Right? I'm going to make a scene in here. I mean, waiting has a way of bringing out the worst of us. But we don't serve a genie God that you could just rub a lamp and demand that he does things on your timeline. I love what Romans 4, 3, 5 says. This is wisdom for crossing over. This is wisdom for going into a new season. Look at what Paul writes in the book of Romans. We can rejoice when we go into what? When we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us endure what? Or help us develop what? Endurance. The patience that's required for the waiting room. God uses it to produce something in your life called endurance. Now again, the process... What does endurance do for you? Endurance develops strength of character. You see, we want the things from God, but maybe we're not ready for those things of God yet. God wants to develop your character first. God wants you to grow in faith and in patience and in endurance. Now what does character do? It says character strengthens our what? Our confident hope of salvation. That confident hope that we could also call faith is grown from what? From character. Where is character grown from? Endurance. This is the process that God has us. And it says, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. That's a good promise from God right there. The waiting room produces character and a hope that does not disappoint. The waiting room reminds you that, guess what, my friend? You are not in control. Oh, I know you want to be in control. But you are not in control. God is in control. And he knows the obstacles you face. All of us have a river that we're trying to cross. All of us have a Jordan River. It could be a relationship. It could be an addiction. It could be a, a, a struggle that you're battling with. But all of us have something that we're saying, God, help me get through this. Help me get over this. And listen. I want you to think back to, to 2023. What were the obstacles? This is from your sheet. This is from your worksheet. In 2023, what were the things that God helped you overcome? What were the things that you said, man, God, I see you move this obstacle. These are the Jordan rivers that you helped me cross in 2023. Here's another question for you to think about. Are you still in the waiting room right now? And if you are, don't despise that season. Trust God. Trust Him. The way we build trust in God for our future is by remembering what He's done in our past. The faithfulness of God. How are you trying to grow in trusting Him for 2024? What are the character things that God wants to work in your heart so that in 2024 you could endure, you could endure well, so that your character could grow, so that your confident hope swells in your heart. And believe me, it's not my promise, it's God's promise. That confident hope does not lead to disappointment. 
So the first lesson we get is don't despise the waiting room. God gives the nation of Israel the green light, and then he tells them, wait, wait. Verse 2. It says, three days later, the Israelites' officers went through the camp. They were giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. So the officers go around. Joshua and them have had a meeting. And, and Joshua knows the plan. God has given Joshua the plan. And now the officers are sending the plan downstream. And the plan downstream, they're telling the people, the people on the ground, because you have to consider this was a massive grouping. This was about 2 million people gathered there at the banks of this river who were ready to cross it. And as the officers are uh, passing through the crowd, they're telling them, when you see the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when you see the Ark of the Covenant going before you, watch it, look for it, and when you see it move, move out. Move out behind it and follow the Ark. What wisdom can we get from this? Whenever we're crossing over to a new season, the second thing is this. Determine to have your spiritual eyes open. Amen. Those officers were basically telling the people, when you see God move, what should you do? You move. If God goes that way, guess which way you should be going? Go that way. What did the ark represent? The ark was not just this golden covered container. The ark represented the manifest presence of God. It housed the presence of God. So what were the officers saying? When the, when the presence of God moves, you move with the presence of God. What do you have to do to move with the presence of God? you got to see where God is moving. For you to see where God is moving, what must you do? Have your spiritual eyes open. Not your human eyes. I only have our human eyes open. I'm talking about your spiritual eyes. Are you observing how and where God is moving, and are you pursuing after Him? Because it wasn't enough just to say, oh, I see God moving that way. Oh, look at Him go. Oh, man, He's going really quick. Go, God, go. No, the officer said what? Perceive it, observe it, then what? Move out. I love that word, move out. Reminds me of that song from the 80s, right? Move out. Don't mess around. Move out. You bring it out. Move out. Let's go. God, you move that way. I'm going with you. I'm going with you. Some of the greatest questions you could ask yourself. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, here are two essential questions you should ask yourself regularly. Okay? I, would, I try my best. I, I, I work at it. I don't always do it. But I try my best to ask these questions at least weekly in my walk with God. Here are the two questions. Ready? You can write them down if you want to. One, God, what are you saying? Or where are you moving? That's the first question you should ask yourself. God, what have you been saying to me lately? How do I see you moving? That's the first question you should ask yourself. And the second question you should ask yourself, which is probably a more important question, is what am I doing about that? The first question is, God, what are you saying? And how are you moving in my life? How have I been observing you speak to me or, or, or see you move in my life recently? In my family, my work, my career, church, ministry, with people, me personally, my walk with you. God, how am I, what have you been saying and how have you been moving? And the second question, what am I doing about it? And listen, 
if you don't have answers, if you don't have a clear answer to either of those two questions, it should cause you to do something. It should cause you to say, hmm, maybe I've been distracted lately. Maybe I haven't been focused on what God has been speaking or trying to show me. Or if you don't have an answer on what you've been doing, maybe you need to ask yourself, well, well, where's my obedience at? God, how are you causing me to draw closer to you? What were the captains of the nation saying here? When God moves, you move. When he stops, you stop. Following him is just not good enough. You have to know what God is doing. And sometimes for you to do that, you have to leave your comfort zone. To follow God, some of you have to leave your comfort zone. So here's a couple questions for you. How did you see God leading you in 2023? What were some clear, what are some clear ways you can say, man, God, you in this last year, you led me this way. Are you pointing me in that direction? Or God, I sensed you're leading in this situation. And a question for 2024, where do you see God leading you in 2024? Where are you saying, you know, God, I really need your leading when it comes to my career. When it comes to me raising my children, God, I really need you to lead me in that. What are the things that you're seeking God for? Where you have to say, my eyes have to be open. God, I have to see your move. And then give me the boldness to follow after it when I see you move. So, one, don't despise the waiting room. Two, determined to have your spiritual eyes open. Let's continue reading here in verse four. They're continuing to tell them the plan and they tell the Israelites, since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half mile behind them. He's referring to the priests there. He's saying, don't get too close to the priests who are carrying this ark. He says, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark, make sure that you don't come any closer. Uh, they're saying, you know, whenever you're around the presence of God, you better have some reverence. Don't try to come in the presence of God with any funny business. You shouldn't let a spirit of familiarity like, yeah, I know God. And you know those shirts? I see them sometimes in the store. Jesus is my homeboy. So have you seen those shirts before? I, I, I get the point. But let me be very clear. Jesus is not your homeboy. I have homeboys. I know how I speak to my homeboys. I know how I approach my home, homeboys. I will never approach Jesus the same way I approach one of my homeboys. And here, Joshua is reminding the people, whenever God's in the mix of things, holiness and reverence better be what leads you. So keep a distance. Because our God... He's good and he's loving and he's forgiving. But our God is holy. Amen. Verse 5. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves. Other words for purify there are consecrate. Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do great wonders among you. It's very important that we take a moment here to pause and say, if you want God to do great things in your life, if you want to experience the breakthrough, we all want the breakthrough of life, right? We all want the blessing of God. But we don't always desire the burden of holiness. And, and here's the third wisdom point for crossing over. Actively keep your heart right. 
Joshua was telling the nation here, look, tomorrow God's going to do something amazing, but if your heart ain't right, you might as well forget it. You ain't going to experience it. So consecrate yourself. Purify yourself. Now for these people, that meant them going and bathing in this river, this very religious ceremony, this very religious ritualistic cleansing that they had to experience. Praise God that we're no longer under the law. We don't need to do those things anymore. Jesus now comes and he purifies us. He makes us right before God. His sacrifice on the cross and his blood is what washes us once and for all. Now we shouldn't abuse that grace and walk as if we're still unchanged. Because then maybe he isn't really in us. Maybe we're just fooling ourselves. But to actively keep your heart right means you practice readiness today for the opportunities and the blessings that God could bring tomorrow. He's saying prepare yourself today because tomorrow God is going to do a great thing among us. But if your heart ain't right today, you could forget about it. You could forget about it. Um, we, we get our wisdom for this from Proverbs 4.23. Very famous scripture here. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life. And we know our, our heart is what kind of determines our choices and the way we speak and the way we act and the way we interact with one another, the way we approach God is often a heart issue. Now, there, there's, there's an issue here is that when we read this, we sometimes think, well, it's up to me to guide my heart. I'm the one who has to be there kind of as a watchman over my heart. Now, that word guard there um, in the original Hebrew in this is more set a watchman. Set a watchman over your heart. Put someone over your heart to kind of guard it so that way it's not corrupt, that way it's not broken by the things of the world. But we take that watchman to mean us. Now, we are broken, sinful people who will always miss the mark. We cannot do this. You cannot guard your own heart. You can try your best to protect it, but you can't really try to guard it. Now, where people are led astray sometimes is, is they read this scripture and they, they'll say, well, I guess this means, you know, I have to cut people off. I have to insulate my heart to protect it. I have to isolate myself from others so I won't get hurt. That, that's not what this scripture is saying. You need to go back and ask yourself, who puts that heart in there? Who put this heart in you? Now, I'm not talking about your physical blood pump, right? We're not talking about that heart. We're talking about the seat of your soul. The seat of the place where your emotions and your feelings and your thoughts and ideas are, are, are found is the heart of a person. But who put that heart there? God put that heart there. Now, Ezekiel 36, let's go there for a quick second. This is spoken through the prophet Ezekiel. And this is what God says to his people. He says, and I, who will give? God will give you what? A new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. Who puts that spirit in you? God puts that spirit in you. And I will take, you, uh, take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Who gives you this new heart? God gives you that. Amen. I'm sorry, but the one who gives it is the one who protects it. The one who gives it is the one who's able to protect it. So when we clothe our heart with the word of God, that's how 
we guard it. Because now when we're hurt, and we will be hurt, and now when we're, uh, uh, you know, emotional, we will get emotional. And now when, when decisions and, and things come on us and we feel overwhelmed and your heart feels heavy, it's not you who's protecting it. It's the God who gave you the heart who's protecting it. But whenever we cross into a new season, whenever we begin a new journey with God, you must actively guard your heart. You have to pray up and say, God, cover my heart, protect it. Because people will try to hurt it. People will try to break it. People will try to get in there. People will try to corrupt it. God is the one who gives it, so he's the one who protects it. So here's a couple questions for you. In 2023, how did God protect your heart? In what ways did you see him kind of cover you? Or maybe the schemes of the enemy, the lies of the enemy, the corruption. Because remember, these people for 40 years, they were a complaining People, they were a negative people. They were cheating on God, left and right, right? They were critically minded. They kind of talked down to the leaders whenever they could. Guess what? They needed to be cleansed from all of that. They needed to be purified from all that. And how many know sometimes life does that to us, right? Doesn't life have a good way of making you hard-hearted, cold-hearted, one of the prayers I pray over myself constantly is, God, keep my heart from growing cold. Because it's easy for your heart to grow cold. It's easy for you to be frustrated with people and be angry at people and be resentful towards people and want to cut people off and to isolate and to insulate yourself. And that's not what God is saying when he says, guard your heart. So pray, pray that God would clothe and cover and protect your heart. And Practice that readiness when? Today. Because God wants to prepare you for something great that he wants to do in your life when? Tomorrow. Amen. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Amen. In Joshua verses 6 and 7, Joshua tells the priests, lead us with the ark. Take the ark first into the river and the people will be behind you. Verse 8. We're still in Joshua 3, verse 8. It says, give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Wild. Maybe you've seen pictures of the Jordan River and there's seasons in Israel, depending on the temperature, where the Jordan River could be anywhere between 20 to maybe 25, 30 feet wide. Maybe a few feet deep, you could probably wade across it yourselves, and, and you would think this is no big deal. You could just walk across this river. This wasn't the season when the people were crossing. The source of this river were the mountaintops in Israel. And this was a season when the snow on the top of the mountains was melting. So this little typical, you know, a few feet deep river, which is about 25 to 30 feet wide typically, was now over 300 feet wide and anywhere between 25 to 30 feet deep. And what is Moses telling the priests to do? Go up in there. Stand right in the river. Joshua gives the plan to the people. In verses 9 through 12, he's just told the priests, you lead us, you have the ark, the presence of God is going before us. You lead us, you walk into the river, the people will be following behind us. And he tells the people, let's follow them, because that's where the presence of God is. What is, what is Joshua telling the people? Go stand in this river. 
Verse 13. The priests will carry the ark of the Lord and the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of the water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. Now you might be saying at this point, this sounds a lot like the Red Sea. These people should know this. They have an experience with this already. Why are they making such a big deal about a river? That's for the sea. A river surely is nothing. Again, remember, none of these people were alive when the Red Sea crossing happened. Of the two million people that left Egypt, only two saw the promised land, Caleb and Joshua. This is the second generation of people. They, didn't, they had heard from their ancestors about how they crossed the Red Sea. Now, now again, how do we build up our faith for tomorrow? Remember what God did in your life yesterday. Where did these people maybe build up the faith to go stand in the middle of this rushing river today? By remembering the stories that their parents told them about what happened yesterday when they crossed the Red Sea. Because here, Joshua's telling them, the walls are going to split, the, seas, the, the river's going to split, and we're going to cross right through the middle. But what did they have to do first? When they stepped into that river, was it split? It wasn't. They had to step into it while it was still flowing. See, here's your next wisdom point for crossing over. Respond with courageous faith. When God is leading you somewhere and he's giving you the steps to take, your job is to respond with courageous faith. Bold steps come before the big breakthroughs God provides. God ain't going to say, I'll do it, then you step. God is saying, you step first, then I'll do it. Amen. Oh, I wish some of you heard that today because all of you have been waiting for God to do something that you haven't taken the step. When God is saying, you take the step first, and then I'm going to do it. You see the change there. Why, why does God want you to take that step first? Because what does that show? Faith. And what does Hebrews 10 tell us? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Amen. Because he is a rewarder of those who what? Who diligently seek after him. Who people who are seeking the move of God. And when God says, this is where I am. I'm going before you. I'm going to split this thing for you. I just need you to take a step. And if you, you know, waffle and say, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to say, what, what Christians love to say. I'm just going to wait on the Lord. I'm just going to wait on the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm in my waiting season. I'm in a waiting room. You told me not to despise the waiting room. So I'm going to wait. You've been waiting 25, 30 years, some of you. And God hasn't moved. Why? Because you haven't taken that step that he's been calling you to take. Here the people needed to take the first step. Take the first step. It pleases the heart of God when we know we have faith in him. Some of you don't want to move until you see the door open. You refuse to move until you see the door open. It reminds me a little bit of when you go to Target, right? You don't love Target. <laughs> A picture of Target here. Some of you saw, oh, that's my place. I know it so well. <laughs> if you park your car, and you get out of your car, and you walk up to the doors of Target, are those doors open for you? No, they're closed. Now, do any of you say, oh, man, I guess I'm just going to come back tomorrow. Nobody says that. What do you do? You get out of your car, and you start walking towards the door. Why do you walk towards that door? Because you have faith that that little black sensor above the door is going to see you and it's going to open the door for you so that way you can get in there and do your Christmas shopping. 
You have faith in that little sensor. Why? Because it's done it before. Our minds have been trained to say the door will open for me because there's a sensor there. I had all the faith in the world in that little sensor. It would be a fool for a person to be like, No one does that. Why? Because you have faith that the door will be open for you. It's crazy to me how many of you have more faith in a sensor than you have faith in the living God of the universe. Because he's been calling you to step towards him. And you haven't moved. Because you see what? A closed door. But when we see a closed door target, we move. This is what I'm saying. I'm actively keeping your heart right. And saying, man, God, if I see you there, I will move towards you. You have assurance that Jesus, the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God, makes a way for you. Even when you can't see a way, guess what he does? He makes a way for you. Amen. Man, can I just take a moment to testify this year in 2023 when this building was flooded? We had no way of meeting. We had no way of being here. We had no electricity. I'm talking about zero, right? You know, we couldn't even plug in a coffee maker into this building. But guess what God did? God made a way. He said, we have another church five minutes from here. And guess what? The door is open. The door is open. Go, go. And as the time passed, I was like, God, what's taking so long? We, we expected this building to be up in three to four weeks. In three to four weeks, they told us, a month, this panel will come, we'll put it in, we'll turn everything back on, and you'll be on your way, and everyone's happy again. And as those weeks turned into months, I'm wondering, God, what are you doing? What's taking so long? Because I'm impatient, right? I, I admitted that. I admitted that. I'm impatient, and I'm getting frustrated. I'm saying we can't meet. We're not, we're not in the building. The building's empty. What are our neighbors thinking? What are the people saying? Did they move? Did they shut down? I mean, I'm, I'm growing impatient. But how many know that when you have your way thought out, God has another way figured out, right? And while I was growing impatient, yeah, frustrated, waiting on God, what was he doing? He was joining these two families together, creating Amen. something beautiful, taking this mess and making it a message. Amen. Here's my question for you. What bold steps did you take in 2023? Sign your sheet. What courageous steps of faith did you take where you said, God, before you move, I'm stepping because I'm trusting you for it. If you had a hard time coming up with any, it should cause you to change something. And then what about for next year? What bold steps is God causing you to take for next year? For some of you, it's a step of baptism. For some of you, it's finally saying, I'm going to assist and lead that group. I've been attending for years. I'm going to sing back. I know God has been calling me. This is my year. This is my bold step. For some of you, it's proposing to your girlfriend. For some of you, it's dumping that boyfriend that you had that told you back from God. Just keep it honest. Just keep it honest. I don't want to say propose to your Boyfriend, that didn't sound weird. But maybe some of you need to dump your girlfriend that's been keeping you from God as well. For some of you to say, you know what, I'm going to take that phone number that I always seem to call when I need a little fix of something, and I'm going to finally delete that phone number from my phone. Some of you that's your best step this year. For 
some of you, your bold step is, you know what? I'm, I'm going to finally go to celebrate recovery. I'm going to finally attack this addiction the way I know it needs to be attacked. Amen. Enough about just praying about it and just talking about it. I'm going to take a step and go to see God. Man, what bold steps have you taken last year? And what bold steps is God calling you to take next year? The end of Joshua chapter 3 tells us that the people followed the ark. The waters split like they did for Moses. The ark stood in the middle of the river. The power of God there in the middle of the river. I love that. And two million people crossed over. Two million people crossed over. Let me close with this. We're going to be taking communion in a second. Joshua chapter 4. Let's go to Joshua chapter 4. Now the people have crossed over. The, middle, the, 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 the river is still open. Joshua commands 12 men from the 12 tribes to gather 12 stones. God had told Joshua, this is something that your people need to remember. What I did here is something that your people need to remember. So grab 12 stones, not just little stones that you use for your garden. I'm talking about huge stones. Gather 12 men together, these 12 stones, and you're going to set them in the middle of this river. And in verse 6 in chapter 4, it says, we will use these stones. This is what Joshua is saying. We will use these stones to build a memorial. And in the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? This is so powerful. In the future, kids will walk past those stones and be like, hey, Dad, what is that there? And that father or that mother or that older sibling will be able to sit that child down and say, let me tell you about how God moved here. Amen. Verse 7, then you could tell them that they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial, a memory among the people of Israel forever. Forever. The fifth thing I want to share with you, wisdom for crossing over. Resist having spiritual amnesia. Resist having spiritual amnesia. You have to choose. This takes an active choice. You have to choose to look back and remember the faithfulness of God. The way you grow for your faith in 2024 is by looking back and saying, God, look at how you were faithful in 2023. We built memorials, right? There's a great memorial in New York City, right where the World Towers once stood. Because whenever you walk past there, what does it do? It reminds you of what happened in that place. And it's a place, place where people gather, whether you knew people that were involved in this tragedy directly, or, or whether you just remember it, or even if you weren't even alive when this happened. This is a place where you could go and you could say, here I choose to remember what happened. In Hiroshima, there's a saying, in Japan, where the first nuclear weapon was dropped in this memorial in Hiroshima, that building right there in the middle of that arch, that is the only surviving building from where this bomb was dropped. That is the only building that's from 1945 that survived 
this first atomic bomb dropping on the city. And what did they do? They built a memorial there because what? It was important that people remember what happened in this place. When God moves in your life, it's important that you put a stone there to say, God, I will choose to remember what you did for me here. Although your situations change, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's easy in our culture to be like Paula Abdul and say, God, what have you done for me lately? Some of you got that? <laughs> it is a what have you done for me lately kind of culture that we live in. And if God hasn't done anything for you lately, we tend to forget all about it. And, and you need to resist. You need to resist having spiritual amnesia by placing the stones in the place where you will remember what God has done in your life. When you look back at 2023, what are the stones that you're leaving behind? What are the things that you're saying, man, God, you moved in my life in such a big way in 2023. I, I, I cannot forget this. I will choose to set a stone there so I remember, and as people pass by, they can remember because we want to testify to your goodness of what you did for me this past year. What are you trusting in God for for next year? What are the big stones you're trusting that God will help you lay in 2024? What are the things that you're trusting Him for? Listen, the future may be exciting, for you, it might be frightening for you, but we can trust in God's faithfulness and His love for us that whatever difficult challenges come before us next year, that He is with us. Amen. Amen. Can we stand together? And I'm going to invite the worship team to join me.